Greetings to each one in the name of the Lord. Brother Dennis mentioned that being Father's Day and my messages uh, will be on that theme. First of all, I thought it would be good if, uh, and I'm not sure how much you, uh, how much you know about Father's Day or how it, the origin uh, how it originated. Um, I looked up just a little bit of history on it. Uh, Father's Day was observed first in 1910 at Spokane, Washington. Uh, the uh, the name of the of the woman who uh, uh, who started this or who encouraged this, her name was Sonora Smart. That was her maiden name. She was uh, 13 years old when, uh, or 13 or 14, when her, her mother died. And uh, after she was married to a man named with his last name was Dodd, that's why I got her name, Sonora Smart Dodd. After uh, she was married, uh, she was, or through the years, she was so impressed with her father, and uh, whose name was William Jackson Smart. She was so impressed with his ability to raise a family of six children. Uh, without the help of his wife. And so she encouraged, uh, uh, she, she came, uh, got to uh, the point where she was somewhat influential in, uh, influential in uh, uh, society of, around Spokane, Washington. And so she used her influence to uh, encourage a day especially set aside for fathers. Um, for, uh, also, I learned that for many years it was not accepted everywhere or by everyone. It seemed like uh, some fathers were a bit, um, uh, they, were, they were just a bit, I don't know what you would call it. They, they thought, well, what's, what's the use here? They didn't really think of a, it'd be good to have a special day just for fathers. And then there was the idea that uh, also that some wanted to scrap both Mother's Day, which had been a holiday already, they wanted to scrap both Mother's Day and Father's Day in favor of only one observance, which would be Parents' Day. And apparently this didn't carry because uh, we now have Father's Day. I was, uh, and this is one thing that surprised me, uh, Father's Day in the United States did not actually become a official official national day until 1972. Uh, Richard Nixon signed the bill uh, to make the third Sunday in in June a national day to honor fathers. I also learned that uh, presently, economists estimate that more than one billion dollars is spent on gifts for this occasion. So much for history, the history of Father's Day. Um, 
I was inspired uh, in this message by Warren's message on uh, on Mother's Day, uh, and my outline follows somewhat the same thing. Uh, Brother Warren, as you recall, uh, if you were here, g- gave us a list of mothers in the Bible and uh, their character uh, characteristics for each one. And these all these characteristics all started with the letter P. Um, that's called uh, alliteration. That means that uh, all the points in a sermon start with the same letter. And uh, I appreciated that, uh, although uh, mine isn't like that. <laughs> I'm not going to use alliteration like Brother Warren did. But I have a list of Bible fathers. And uh, as we look at this, and, and I didn't list every everyone, uh, Brother Warren didn't either, all the mothers, but I listed a few that I thought of and some lessons for each one. I, uh, I even added to my notes here this morning, Brother uh, Dennis mentioned the book, uh, Seven Men Who Rule the World from the Grave. Uh, and these, uh, this, this book talks about these seven men and, and uh, it's, um, it's not a positive book. It's a book that, that, that discusses people like Lenin, Hitler, uh, I'm not sure if Hitler's in there, uh, Lenin, some of the more modern ones, John Lewis I think is, um, is the one that started the modern uh, educational system and there's a few others but uh, it's it's a negative book uh, this morning I'd like to suggest that this list of fathers that I have here also uh, can rule the world from the grave and I'd like to look at them in a positive way and to uh, get the positive lessons that uh, are in the Bible for us. I'd like to start with a very, very early in the Bible, in uh, Genesis, uh, Genesis the sixth chapter, and talk a little bit about Noah. That's the one, the first one on my list. Noah. And his characteristic that uh, impressed me was the idea that he was obedient even though. Even though it uh, may not have rained up to this point, uh, the Bible indicates that up to this point, uh, earth was watered by uh, heavy dew and uh, and rain was somewhat, uh, was foreign to them. That's kind of the indication. We don't know exactly, but it may not have rained up to this point. But God said it's going to rain, and you and it's going to the earth will be flooded. Noah was obedient, even though no one else was interested. It seemed like society around him was was uh, evil and wicked and corrupt, and they weren't interested in what Noah was doing. Apparently. 
It took 120 years to build the ark. And even though it took that long, uh, that's how, we, uh, at least it indicates that, because God said that he'll yet uh, strive with humanity for another 120 years. Uh, that's all. And so, uh, even though it took that long to build the ark, Noah remained obedient. I'd like to read some uh, verses here. Genesis 6, starting at verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, and all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make the ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is a fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, and the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make in the ark, and a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven." And everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons, and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. And thou shalt be ma they shall be male and female. Of fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing, of the earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come into thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee all the food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. And that's the verse that I want us to um, really um, notice there that in all of this, uh, all of this years and uh, God was working with Noah it says that, God, that Noah did according to all that God commanded him and uh, go on into the seventh chapter just a few verses and the Lord said unto Noah come thou and all thy house into the ark for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens the male and his female and of beasts that are not clean by two the male and his female of fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of the earth. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And then again the, the verse, And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. And verse 9, also, as God had commanded Noah, Noah was obedient. And so, in each of these, I'll be asking us questions as fathers. Are we, are we obedient in every situation? Are we examples to our children in obeying God's commands? 
Can you imagine these uh, sons of Noah? And I'm not sure how they uh, were when this, uh, when Noah started to build the ark. Uh, if they were teenagers, uh, I'm speaking from the, what I recall as being a teenager. They maybe thought their dad wasn't really really smart, or maybe he had uh, lost some of it. But uh, I suppose after they became adults, and this went on 120 years, I'm assuming, and uh, perhaps they began to take on the the uh, ex- uh, to, to notice the example of their father and how he was so um, willing to obey God's commands. It. Uh, I can imagine them uh, learning from their father, noticing his example, and pitching in to help with this work. Obedience to God's commands. It may be costly. It may counter, be counter to society around us. And yet, as fathers, I think we need to be willing to be obedient to what God teaches us, what God has told us. The next one is Abraham, and we'll turn to Genesis 18 for these verses. Abraham was called the friend of God. Let me read... uh, Genesis 18, uh, 17, and eight, 17 through 19. And the Lord said, Shall I hide it from Abraham the thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Uh, God had told Abraham that uh, through you the whole earth will be blessed. Through, you, through your seed, he said, through the seed of Abraham, uh, the Lord will bless uh, all of the earth. And this was a promise. And uh, it says that, uh, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. In Romans 4.16, it tells us that we, all, all of us here who name the name of Christ, are children of Abraham. We are children of Abraham by faith. And so, through, through Christ, which is the seed, it tells us in the book of Galatians, we, uh, we, become, uh, we become children of Abraham. And so, Abraham is our father. He was a friend of God. Uh, Romans 4, 16 says he, he was the father of us all. <clears throat> and so my question then to us as fathers, can our children and others see that we are friends of God? Uh, what is a friend? How do friends act? Well, they spend time with each other. They talk well of each other. Uh, they They like to to be with each other. 
Can our children and others see that we are friends of God? Do we trust God like Abraham did? <clears throat> Do we believe God and count on his promises? You know, it tells it that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. He was, uh, he was one who, who was willing to believe even in the face of uh, seemingly contradictory things. He became, uh, he said, you're going to have a son. Sarah will have a son. They were both old. Uh, Sarah was 90. Uh, Abraham was nearly 100. And uh, how is that possible? And yet it says that, God, that he believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. And so to us as fathers, can our children and others see that we are friends of God? The next one that I want to talk about is Isaac. Isaac was uh, Abraham's son. Uh, his, uh, God calls him his only son. Uh, Abraham did have other children uh, by Hagar and uh, his second uh, marriage, which was Keturah. But uh, God told Abraham one time, he said, take your son, your only son. And so uh, Isaac then, uh, through that, is somewhat of a type of Christ uh, because he was an only son. And uh, over in the book of Galatians, it tells us that uh, uh, he was a son of promise. And we also are Abraham's children because we're children of promise of the promise because we trust in Abraham's seed which is Christ I'd like to uh, I'd like to read uh, in chapter 26 starting at verse 12 then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year an hundredfold and the Lord blessed him and the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great and he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herd and great stores of servants, and the Philistines envied him. For all the wells which his father, father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their name after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Esek, because they strove with him. And they digged another well and strove for that also, and he called it called the name of it Sitna. And he removed from thence and digged another well, and for that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Isaac was one who, his, uh, the characteristic that impressed me about Isaac was that he is one who sought for a peaceful solution to... Uh, 
to a, an argument or a, um, actually it was a, a strife. His herdmen and the herdmen of the neighboring tribes uh, fought over the water. And uh, Isaac was one who sought for a, a peaceful solution. You know, he was not one to push his own rights. He was not one to say, that's mine. And uh, he could have, uh, he had many servants. He probably could have rose up and, and defeated uh, these other people. But he was one that sought for uh, peaceful solutions to this problem. And so he moved on. He, he moved to a different place and dug another well. And when they fought over that one, then he moved to another place and did it again. And so, as fathers, are we seeking peaceful solutions to problems that come into our lives? Uh, problems with maybe cantankerous neighbors. Uh, problems with uh, those that would be uh, seeking our hurt. Are we, uh, are we seeking uh, peaceful solutions to situations like that? You know, our children, uh, they'll, they'll pick up on this. You know, if we stand up for our rights and say, that's mine and you can't have it, uh, there's a better way for God's people to live in this society, and that's to seek out peaceful solutions to those kind of situations. It's a, it's a, certainly will be a, an example to our children as we do that. I'd like to move on to Isaac's son then, Jacob. Jacob made moves and decisions for the spiritual well-being of his family. Now, we could, uh, we could perhaps um, pick out a lot of negative things about Jacob. The Bible calls him a, a supplanter, which means someone who kind of um, takes advantage of people. And he did this uh, somewhat in his first, the first years of his life. But uh, as he uh, grew, grew older and, uh, and he, uh, uh, see how does it say here in, uh, in this one verse, um, in verse 30, or chapter 31, And he heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's, and that which was our father's hath he gotten all this glory. And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him as before. This was uh, Jacob's father-in-law, Laban was. And uh, he had worked for him for 14 years. And, uh, and after that, um, actually some... Um, a, a certain amount of time I'm not sure just how long it was but it got to be to the point where it says that they were um, he had seen uh, Laban and his sons turn against him and so he wanted to make a decision that would be uh, helpful for his family he wanted to go back to his native land back to his father and so he, he left Laban. 
not only that, when he met his brother Esau, who was at one time had threatened to kill him, uh, he he used a peaceful means to to be uh, reunited with his brother Esau, and uh, they were glad to see each other, apparently. Uh, but Esau said, you come and live with me. And um, Jacob didn't want to do this. He lived separately from Esau because Esau was still apparently a, a vain and wild person, uh, as we see from the history of his descendants. I'd like to read uh, on uh, about Jacob here, chapter 35. And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God, that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household, and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments, and let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was at Shechem. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel, he and all his people that were with him. And he built there an altar, and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. There were certain things that were in their possession that bothered Jacob. And uh, he, he encouraged them to put away those things that were uh, strange gods, he called them. And, and um, even some of their, uh, even their jewelry, he said, uh, and he, they turned all this over to Jacob. Uh, it seemed that this was, a, this was a turning point in Jacob's life. It seemed that from there, you no longer uh, uh, read of Jacob being um, the schemer that he was before. And it seemed like it, it was somewhat of a change. And just a little further on here, uh, God appeared to Jacob and he said, your name is no longer Jacob, which means supplanter, but you should be called Israel, which is, uh, I think, has the idea of a, of a son of God. And so uh, we have Jacob uh, willing to make decisions that benefit his family in, in spiritual ways. And so, to us as fathers, are we willing to make decisions that benefit our, fa uh, our families in a spiritual sense? Are we willing to forego things that may be harmful spiritually? We, you know there, there's a host of things in society today that uh, are chipping away and banging away at the founda very foundations of the, of the home. Are we willing to forego some of those things so that our families can have, be safe spiritually and they can grow spiritually? Let's move on to, to Joseph. Genesis 47. I'm going to read uh, verses 7 through 12. The characteristic I thought here about Joseph, and we could have uh, picked out many, 
because Joseph was a person who was uh, well spoken of in the Bible. Very few, uh, very little is said uh, negatively about Joseph. Um, but uh, and we could have picked out many things. But the one that I thought of was uh, how that he taught through example uh, respect for his elderly father. Um, I'll read from uh, from Genesis 47, verse 7. And Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and sent him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Jacob, How old are you, art thou? And, and Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days of the years of my pilgrimage are an hundred and thirty years. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been, and have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh, and he went out from before Pharaoh. Uh, Joseph, uh, and then it goes on to say, uh, And Joseph placed his father and his brethren and gave them possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramesses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph nourished his father and his brethren and all his father's household with bread according to their families. A little later on, it tells uh, the account in, in chapter 48, it tells the account of how Jake, or Joseph brought his sons to, to uh, his aged father uh, you know, in order for his, his father to bless them. And so we have the, the idea that uh, at least one, uh, this characteristic of Joseph is it, that I'm bringing out is uh, the thought of his respect for the elderly. We as fathers, are we showing respect for those who have walked the way before us? Not just uh, people who are elderly, uh, like grandparents and maybe great-grandparents, but um, those who have gone, gone before, those who perhaps are not even living anymore, but they have been faithful, and we know of them as, as being faithful people. Are we showing respect for those who have walked the way before us? Or are we just rejecting the testimony and example of their lives? This is happening in the church, all across the church, where those things that our forefathers stood for and uh, died for and taught throughout their lives are being rejected and thrown out and uh, as not being worthy of belief anymore. And uh, I think that Joseph would teach us that we are to, to have respect for those who have gone before and have been faithful and uh, following the Lord. And, and so my encouragement to us as fathers, young fathers, and um, I don't have children at home anymore, but I'm hoping that uh, my faithfulness can be an example to uh, those who come behind. Now let's go to Joshua. First of all, uh, just reading uh, in Joshua 1, where the Lord talks to, to Joshua, and he says, Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide 
for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong, and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. And then the, especially the characteristic that I want us to notice is in chapter 24. That is uh, the uh, characteristic of commit, commitment to the ways of the Lord. Joshua says here, speaking to the people, now Joshua is, is old. They have conquered the land. Uh, they have divided it among the tribes, and uh, here Joshua is giving, giving uh, advice to his people. Uh, verse 14, chapter 24. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served they were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Here was a father who was committed, committed to serving the Lord, committed to being faithful to him. And then uh, the people answered him, verse 18, and um, and the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. Verse 21, And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And verse 24, And the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God will we serve, and his voice will we obey. So not only Joshua was committed to following the Lord and serving him and his house, but uh, the people also made commitment there that day. My question to us then today, fathers, are we committed to serving God? Are we living our commitment? Or is it just words? You know, you can make a verbal commitment, but it has very little weight if it's not carried out in daily life and carried out in, in your daily walk. So are we living our commitment as Joshua and are we committed that for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? <clears throat> I'd like to talk about David. In First um, Chronicles 29, David, in this chapter, David prepared for future blessings for his posterity. Posterity means his, uh, the, those who 
his children, his, uh, his descendants. Uh, let me start reading at um, the 29th chapter, starting at verse 1. Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God, the gold of things to be made of gold, the silver for things of silver, the brass for things of brass, the iron for things of iron, the wood for things of wood, onyx stones and stones to be set, gather, and glistening stones and of divers colors and all manners of precious stones and marble, stones in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have mine own I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, holy house. even 3,000 talents of gold the gold of Ophir and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the house withal the gold for things of gold the silver for things of silver and all the manner of work to be made by the hands of artificers and who then is willing to consecrate his service this day to the Lord? Then the chief of the fathers, princes of the tribes of Israel, and the captains of thousands and hundreds with the rulers of the king's work offered willingly, and gave for the service of the house of God of gold 5,000 talents and 10,000 drams, and of silver 10,000 talents, and of brass 18,000 talents, and 100,000 talents of iron. And they with whom... Precious stones were found, gave them to the treasure of the house of the Lord by the hand of Jehiel the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly, because with perfect heart they offered willingly the Lord uh, to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Wherefore, David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come to thee, and thou reignest over all. And thine hand is power and might, and thine hand is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I? And what is my people that we should offer, able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. For we are strangers before thee, and sojourners, as well as all our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow, and there is none abiding. O Lord our God, all this store which we have prepared to build thee in heart, a house for thine holy name, cometh of thine own hand, and is all thine own. I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart and hast pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things, and now have I seen with joy the, thy people, which are present here, to offer willingly unto thee. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people, and prepare their hearts unto thee. David was preparing to build a temple, uh, which was a, just a, a building. But uh, this, this temple was not only for 
the um, uh, was not only a material building, but it was a temple that was made and dedicated to uh, uh, to the uh, good of the people. See, I had marked down uh, a verse in the 28th. Okay, verse 9 in the 28th chapter. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understanding, standeth all the imagination of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee, and if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. David's encouragement to his own son. And uh, David's, David's uh, preparation here for not only Solomon's, uh, Solomon, but Solomon's children and on down through the, uh, through the coming ages, uh, David was preparing for his posterity. Uh, a material temple so that they could be spiritually, spiritually blessed. And so our question then, as fathers today, are we concerned for the future of our posterity? Are we concerned for our children? Are we concerned for our young people? Are we concerned for our church? And are we willing to make decisions? Are we willing to sacrifice like the people did, willingly give, willingly offer our services, uh, willing to make decisions today that will be for the future good of our families? This is a lesson I believe we get from David's preparation for the future. <clears throat> I'd like to move into the New Testament for a few. Um, Luke, Luke 1, and this is Zacharias. Uh, Zacharias encouraged his son to serve the Lord by teaching others. Now I know that uh, the words, or the uh, part that I'm going to read here, is um, a prophecy, and uh, this is given when John the Baptist was only a, a small child, and so he didn't hear it at this point. But uh, I'm assuming that John the Baptist knew, somehow knew of his father's encouragement, and this is what. Uh, I'd like to read from uh, verse 67 of Luke 1. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy uh, promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And then these verses. And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people, 
by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercies of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sin in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. Here was a, a man who um, gave encouragement for his son to uh, be of service in teaching others. Uh, fathers today, are we giving this advice to our children and young people? Are the opportunities placed before them, are there uh, opportunities placed before them to serve in other places? And I've been blessed by those in our group, who have, those young people who have gone to different places to serve, uh, different places to, uh, and, and some are there yet, serving in, in, uh, in places um, perhaps of difficulties and places where it's not as easy to live as it is in our, um, our community here. Are there mission opportunities? Or are we giving, also giving encouragement to our young people in their everyday work as well, that they do their work as unto the Lord? Uh, do their work to serve Him, to serve the Lord and to uh, um, bring Him glory. You know, our world today is a, our society today is a, is a, a greedy society. It's, um, you know, it's seemed like it's just get, get, and get. But I think we need to be, as Zacharias here, to encourage our, our children, our young people. There are places to serve, and there are things to do that benefit the church and benefit the Lord, and uh, they can follow that. Uh, hurrying on here, Joseph then, uh, the father of Jesus, I'm going to read... Uh, Matthew and Matthew 3, starting at verse 11. Uh, Matthew 2, sorry. This talks of the wise men. It says, And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him, and and when they had opened their treasure, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he, uh, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. And then uh, tells how Herod went and killed all the baby boys in that area from two years old and under, 
And verse 19 says, uh, But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to, in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel, for they are, they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judah in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither, notwithstanding being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in the city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Joseph, one who protected his family. He saw the dangers that were ahead, and uh, he was willing to follow the Lord's direction and leading in the protection of his family. And so, fathers who are here today, including myself, there's an enemy far more dangerous than Herod that is bent on destroying our children. Are we concerned for the protection, the spiritual protection of our children? And I'll mention just a few things. What about reading material? What about electronics, games, places we go, things we attend? The, um, the dangers are, are numerous. Are we concerned with the protection of our children? Uh, one more, I put two together here. Uh, Jairus and the nobleman. Um, maybe I should read both those accounts. Matthew, uh, Matthew 9. Eighteen and nineteen says this. While he spoke these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And we know that story, how that he came into the room where this uh, little girl was laying uh, dead, and he, he prayed, and uh, her spirit returned, it says. Uh, John 4, um, uh, 46 is the other one. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, there he made where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went with him unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see the signs and wonders, ye will not believe. The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down, ere my child die. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word of God, a word that Jesus spoken unto him, and he went his way. And so my encouragement to us as fathers, then, uh, 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 these two recognized the source of all healing. It recognized that um, 
Jesus was a great uh, physician. And so our, my encouragement then to us today, with easy access to doctors and medicine, we dare not forget that Jesus is a great physician. And uh, adding this then, uh, we're thankful for what medical science has to offer. I'm not, I'm not uh, belittling going to a doctor. I'm not, uh, I'm not, um, I'm not one of those against uh, doctors. Uh, because um, doctors have learned things about health, um, and we uh, we are we need to be thankful for what God has allowed them to to learn, and it's not wrong to use that. However, I I think we need to realize and to keep in mind that um, they would be helpless without the Lord, the giver of life. And so in all of, of uh, things we do for health and um, medicine we use and uh, going to the doctor, let's not forget that uh, Christ is the one who heals. Christ is the one who, who gives life. The Lord is the one. And we need to give him honor and, and glory for it. And not that we don't thank those who help us in physical ways, in medical ways, but uh, that we know where to give the glory, the ultimate glory, and that goes to the Lord Jesus, who is the healer of all. <clears throat> Some may not have a godly or honorable earthly father. Uh, some may not have a father who is a Christian. But all of us can claim God as our father. Through believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a father. Um, even though may not be an earthly father. And some of us, our fathers are not living anymore. But... Uh, we can trust in God, who is our Father, our Heavenly Father. And Jesus taught us to pray. He said, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 